Are the Minnesota Vikings the clear favorite to win the NFC North? We talk about that. The New York Jets, the New York Giants, and more coming up on this edition of Locked on NFL. You are locked on NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, so that means you have me taking you through things. Kevin Allstriker, the host over at Locked On Ravens Game. Thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. That includes also over on YouTube and video form. And today's episode of Locked On NFL is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to ten times your money on your entry. First time users can receive one hundred percent deposit match with one hundred dollars with promo code Locked On. That's PrizePicks.com. Promo code Locked On. We are back here another wild Sunday. There have been plenty of wild Sundays of NFL action. Week six Sunday action in the books. We're going to be doing a little bit of a New York sandwich, or I guess New Jersey sandwich, because where they play is in New Jersey. Here today with the New York Jets and the New York Giants, talking with John Butchko of Locked On Jets in the first segment about that 4-2 and two New York Jets team, followed in the third segment with Patricia Traina of Locked On Giants with that 5-1 Giants football team, talking about both their playoff aspirations and more. But in the second segment, we're going to get to Luke Braun, of Locked On Vikings as we dive into the Vikings, who are also a 5-1 and football team in the clear driver's seat in the NFC North right now and who really do have high playoff aspirations being the number two seed in the NFC right now. So we'll be taking through the biggest stories here throughout the NFL. And if you want to tune in to us regularly, we have regularly scheduled five days a week content with hosts throughout our network. So be sure to tune in multiple days a week, all five days per week. Honestly, we do great content over here. But without any further ado, let's dive into our first segment talking about those New York Jets with John Butch, co of Locked On Jets. Well, don't look now, but the New York Jets are a four and two football team. And here with me to break it all down and just how they're winning and recently in convincing fashion is John Butchko, the host over at Locked on Jets. And John, after a thumping of the Miami Dolphins in week five, you go to week six in a game where they play the Green Bay Packers and not a lot of people gave him a shot to win this game, but they go out and beat the Packers 27 to 10, another convincing win. After the Jets lost to Baltimore in week one, they kind of flip-flop wins and losses. They're on a three-game winning streak. I mean, how are they putting this together right now? They look like a very impressive team. Well, Kevin, it's great to be with you. It's very unusual to be on Locked On NFL because the Jets are doing something good. Usually we're talking about draft positioning. We're talking about why they lost a horrible game. So it's a refreshing change of pace. I'm glad to be on today. Um, they're doing. I think part of it's the way that they're doing it. I think the way that they're doing it is part of why it's so exciting. Uh, the last time the Jets had a three-game winning streak, it was 2017. It was the beginning of that season. They started 0-2. They won three in a row. They got to 3-2. and two. But it was kind of a mirage. They were playing against bad opponents. They were catching some lucky breaks. There were some unfortunate miscues for the teams that they were playing. Everybody knew that that was not a very good Jets team, and they finished 5-11 and 11 that year. This year, the Jets are emerging because you have young players who are stepping up 
you have guys who look like they are difference makers. One of them has been on the team a couple of years, Quinnen Williams, who has been good his first three years, but he's taken a leap this year. And in this game against Green Bay, he had a couple sacks, he had a couple tackles for a loss, he had three quarterback hits. He even blocked a field goal, Kevin. I mean, this was an unbelievable performance by Quinnen Williams. But also on the defensive side of the ball, you have Sauce Gardner, who looks every bit the part of a lockdown corner through his six games for six games in the NFL. And then on the offensive side of the ball, the last couple of weeks, a young running back, Brees Hall, who they traded up for in the second round, he's looks like a difference maker. And in today's NFL, there are not many backs you can build an offense through. And I understand it's only been six games and it's really the last two weeks where he's kind of come into his own, but Brees Hall looks like the type of guy who can carry an entire offense because in this game against green Bay, the offense was essentially what Brees Hall did on the ground. He ran for 116 yards last week. He had hundred receiving yards. Now there were a couple busted coverages that he produced big plays against, but he's also got some ability as a receiver out of the backfield. So you're seeing young players really begin to take a leadership role on this team and carry this team to these wins. And I think it's impressive also, you, you kind of saw early on the Jets fighting their way a little bit, but now you have the reinsertion of Zach Wilson back into the lineup. And I know there was some conversation. I know John, we talked when Wilson went down with his injury, how big of a year it was in his second season to take another leap. Have you seen a leap from Zach Wilson so far through his second year? Yes. Now this game against Green Bay, I'll be honest, he was not good. And it was not all his fault. His receiver is lost one-on-ones. Uh, Green Bay's got some good corners. The Green Bay corners won those matchups. Zach Wilson was shaky in this game. I, I felt like there were many moments when his first read was not there. He kind of panicked. The first two games were, were pretty good, I think. He led the Jets to a 10-point comeback in the fourth quarter against the Steelers. He looked very decisive with the football. It seemed like the reads he was making were improving. Last week against Miami, he did what he needed to do. And part of the reason I'm optimistic about Zach Wilson is I think the Jets have put him into a good infrastructure. Uh, I've watched the Jets essentially give young quarterback after young quarterback no chance, whether it's Sam Darnold, whether it's Geno Smith, who you know obviously playing pretty well with Seattle, at least at the start of the season. You could go all the way back to the, the last couple of years of Mark Sanchez. The first couple of years, they actually did a good job surrounding Sanchez, but last couple of years, things deteriorated around him. They just did not give these young quarterbacks a chance. With Zach Wilson, You've given him, even though they did not play great against Green Bay, you've given him quality receivers, but you also gave him Brees Hall, and you've given him a quality offensive line. And the Jets have kind of found something. They've had to reshuffle their offensive line a couple of times through injuries. Their current alignment's playing really well. And it's the type of situation where even when Zach Wilson doesn't play well, they were able to go out and control a game against Green Bay. And I think part of this, part of what's going to help Zach Wilson is that after a game where he doesn't play, well, nobody's going to be talking about it. He's not going to have to answer questions about it. He's not going to have to hear it talked about in the media. All anybody's going to talk about this week is that the Jets won, and that's because they were able to they were able to get a win despite him not playing well because of the pieces that are around him on this team. Right, and you mentioned Brees Hall, who I think has been such a phenomenal addition to the Jets' backfield, and it looks like it is his backfield now in New York. 20 carries for him in week six compared to Michael Carter, who did have some moments during his year last year, but only six for Michael Carter. How big of an addition has Brees Hall been, and what dynamic has he added to this offense so far? And you make a great point. Michael Carter's a good back. I think Michael Carter's a starting back in this league. So it's not it's nothing Michael Carter did wrong. I think it was just in the draft this year. They thought Brees Hall could be the type of guy you could run an offense through. 
And he kind of started slowly. Michael Carter was the lead back week one against Baltimore. And slowly through these first six weeks, Brees Hall's taken on more and more. And you could tell Brees Hall's gotten more comfortable reading his holes, hit, you know, making his cuts, being decisive with the ball in his hands. And now, to me, it's not just Brees Hall's backfield. It's Brees Hall's offense. I think this entire offense runs through Brees Hall right now. And I go back to what I said earlier. I think that that makes Wilson's life easier because he's not going to be facing a lot of third and longs when the defense can just get upfield and attack him. And it's also just easier because, you know, what do you have to make? Like 20 – let's say you need to make 20 quality plays on offense a game to win in the NFL. You're not going to put Zach Wilson in a situation where he has to drop back and scan the entire field seven for 17 of those plays. A good chunk of those plays can just come by handing the ball to Brees Hall. So it just makes life so much easier on Zach Wilson. There are not many running backs who change an offense in today's NFL. I think Brees Hall can be one of those backs. He can be that that type of special player. I mean, I don't know if I want to say Jonathan Taylor, but maybe that next level down where he's going to you know, Everybody says running backs don't matter in the NFL. And for the most part, that's true. But this might be an exception. Yeah, he's, he's looked phenomenal, especially over these last couple of weeks, as you've mentioned. But, John, going back to the Packers game a bit here, I mean, the Jets held the Packers to 4 of 16 on third down. That's a pretty impressive number, 25%. Aaron Rodgers is 246 yards, one touchdown, only 10 total points for the Packers, which is impressive considering the weapons that they have on that offense, especially at running back and Rodgers himself. How are the, how are the Jets able to do this and really make the Packers' offense ineffective? It was a team effort, but I say this on Locked On Jets all the time. In today's NFL, if you can only be good at two spots on defense, I want them to be defensive line and I want them to be corner. And, you know, the safeties and linebackers have been up and down. They actually played pretty well against Green Bay, but through the year they've been up and down. The defensive line, especially the last couple of weeks, has really come into its own. And you know, I talked about Quinn and Williams earlier. He's been the best guy, but you have other guys playing at a really high level. John Franklin Myers, Sheldon Rankin has bounced back from what I thought was a disappointing year last year. Carl Lawson, who missed all of last year with an injury, is playing well. Um, Vinny Curry returned to the lineup. Vinny Curry's missed, missed the entire year last year after the Jets signed him, and he's been injured this year. So, he finally got into the lineup. He made a couple of plays in this game. Jets are and the Jets dominated the trenches. I mean, they were constantly in Aaron Rodgers' face. They made him uncomfortable the entire game. Aaron Rodgers was not playing 100%, and the Jets got to him a lot. And you could tell when they hit him, it was impacting him. And then at the back of the defense, you've got Sauce Gardner, as I mentioned. But you also have DJ Reed, a, a quality free agent signing out of Seattle, who maybe hasn't been quite as good as Sauce Gardner, but he's been close. The Jets have two corners they can trust on the outside in the back of their defense. And they also have a slot corner, Michael Carter the second. We talked about Michael Carter. Kevin, this is, here's an amazing uh, fact. The Jets actually drafted two players named Michael Carter last year. They drafted the running back out of North Carolina, Michael Carter. There was also a slot corner out of Duke, Michael Carter the second. I refer to him as the sequel. And he's developed into a really solid slot corner. So the Jets batting a 1,000 when it comes to drafting Michael Carters in the 2021 draft. Well, they just have to make a team full of Michael Carters, and I think they might be okay. I, I kept I kept waiting last year. When's Michael Carter the third getting drafted? <laughs> when they drafted the Michael Carter running back, Kevin, there actually was a discussion in the war room. Wait, did we pick the right one? Oh, it, they got both, so it didn't matter at the end of the day. But that's still, oh my god, that's that's a funny story. But I mean, this is a four and two football team, John, and they could sneak off a couple more wins here. And I think that this is a very sneaky football team overall. Now we haven't seen 
amazing football throughout the entire league being played this year. I think the AFC was supposed to have all these teams that were going to make a huge run of the playoffs. And we have some of these teams have been pretty disappointing. John, do you think the Jets can be a surprise sleeper playoff team here when the season's all said and done? I like the way you worded that question, because if you asked, will they be? Yeah, I don't know. Can they be? Absolutely. Because as you mentioned, there, there's not that many great teams in the AFC. And and now with the seventh team, you really you really don't have to be that good to, to make the playoffs. I, I hear Jets fans talk all the time. These are our holes. These are our holes. You know, we got this issue, that issue. But pretty much if you're a seven seed, you're a decent team, but you have some holes. So, you know, a lot of it comes down to luck. They'll need to make sure that, you know, they'll need to hope that they don't have any key injuries because so much of it comes down to that. But as you said, the schedule does not look as difficult as maybe it did at the start of the season. So I think at four and two, and as much as anything, the confidence level is rising. These guys are believing that they can do it. I think they have a real shot. And I think at the very least, they're going to be in it till the very end. This team's stated goal, which is very modest, but it's important based on where the Jets have come from these last few years, was to play meaningful games in December. And the way things look, they're going to be in the playoff race and they are going to be playing meaningful games in December. Yeah, they've stacked three straight wins. They've done it in very impressive fashion, especially over these last two weeks. And for a team that believes in themselves and is playing the way that they are, I say, why not? Why, why can't the Jets do it? So I'm excited to see how they're able to move forward here. And maybe we'll be talking again in December, John, about how this team is thick in that playoff hunt. And I appreciate you hopping on so much. I, If you want to go check out John's work over at the Locked On Jets podcast, highly recommend you do so. Plenty of great content over there, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. John, I appreciate you. Thanks so much for hopping on. The Jets have impressed. They lost to Baltimore in week one. They flip-flopped a win and a loss, but then they've won three straight. And over the past couple of weeks, I mean, they've really done it in convincing fashion. So I'm excited to see how they perform over the remainder of the 2022 season. But coming up on our second segment of Locked On NFL, we're going to be diving into the Minnesota Vikings, talking with Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings about their 5-1 and one start. So be sure to stay tuned. We still have a ton to talk about here on the show. But first, I do want to tell you a bit about Nugenics. And if you feel like you're getting older or your body has changed, you feel a little bit less like your old self, it's not your fault. As men age, bodies naturally lose free testosterone, the man hormone. It happens to every man. It can make it more difficult to stay in shape and be energetic or even active. And if you want more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging, Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testofen will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. Nugenics Total T contains man-boosting key ingredients like Testofen. It has been validated in five clinical studies shown to boost free testosterone levels in men. And because Nugenics Total T boosts free testosterone, the aging process robs, you'll feel stronger and leaner with more energy and drive and more passion as well. Now I've got a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text NFL to 231-231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast. Absolutely free. Text NFL to 231-231. Text NFL to 231-231. Mesh and database may apply. Terms apply. Available at Nugenics.com slash terms. Also, I want to tell you a bit about Athletic Greens and our next partner, he has a product that people use every day. And I started taking AG1 because there is a lot of time that I really wanted to get back in terms of better health. Also, I wanted more energy and a better immune system at that as well. And what's in AG1 with one delicious scoop of it, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, 
probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. And it's lifestyle friendly. So whether you eat vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, it can be the thing for you. Also supports better sleep quality, which is huge. Recovery supports mental clarity as well and alertness. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens will give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still taking her through week six Sunday action NFL storylines. And we're going to now talk with Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings about how this Minnesota team has gotten to five and one. What's next for them? And if they truly are the clear front runners in that NFC North, it also has the Packers, the Lions, and the Bears. So let's talk about that now. Well, the Minnesota Vikings are a five and one football team through six weeks and the number two seed in the <laughs> NFC here to talk about it with me. And he's laughing about it already is Luke Braun, the host over at Locked on Vikings. Luke, emotion wise, where are you right now with a five and one Minnesota Vikings? Uh, you know that that scene from uh, the new Sonic movie that's like, how are you alive? I have no idea. <laughs> That's how we feel about the Vikings right now. These are the dumbest wins ever. I mean, they've got last second double doinks. They were absolutely outplayed by the Miami Dolphins in week six uh, in Miami. The Dolphins moved the ball better than the Vikings did by a large margin. Teddy Bridgewater puts up over 300 yards and he did not start the game. Uh, but they somehow go win that game. A couple of turnovers. Uh, the, the right bounce here, the right bounce there. Um, the mean word for it is fraudulent. The nice word for it is unsustainable. Call it whatever you want to call it. It's um, it, it, the, the wins count and they'll help in your back pocket. They're not the f- kind of five and one that say the Buffalo Bills are. Um, but hey, you get go five and six from here on out and you're 10 and seven. So yeah, w- wins are wins no matter how they come. Yeah. Wins like you don't wins. have to be that good to get in now. Exactly. In an NFC where you have the drop off between the Vikings and the Buccaneers, who are the two and three seeds respectively, five and one for Minnesota, three and three for Tampa mm-hmm. Bay. Minnesota looks well positioned right now, both in the NFC in general, but also the NFC North. But Luke, let's talk a bit about the, the Dolphins game here. You mentioned was not a pretty win by any stretch of the imagination, no. but how did they do it? Was there one or two players you, you look at the box score, you look at the stats and you say, these are the guys who helped this team get the win? There, there are a lot. And most of them are on defense. Um, all of them are on defense, honestly, because the offense had 10 three and outs in that game. 10 three and outs. In week five, they didn't even have 10 possessions. They had 10 three and outs. Um, but on the other side of the ball, they forced a lot of three and outs. And a lot of that was Zadaria Smith had an absolutely unreal day. Daniel Hunter, Dalvin Tomlinson got involved. Patrick Jones, a, a rotational depth defensive end, got in with DJ Wanham, who has an illness, uh, couldn't play today. Um, you had on the back end, a lot of playmaking Patrick Peterson, just vintage stuff, wily veteran, like crafty stuff too, but also keeping up with Jalen Waddle. Um, you had Harrison Smith, not only getting a tip drill interception, but also stripping, I believe it was Waddle again on what would have been a third and 15 conversion, stripping him ball bounces right to safety cam Bynum. Vikings ball sets them up with short fields and stuff. And then just, uh, it took two real touchdown drives 
and then one breakaway Dalvin Cook touchdown. And that was it. Otherwise, it was just like short field stuff and they got set up in field goal range once. Like that was all the offense could do. And they asked the defense to make 14 stop, 14 possessions the Dolphins had. That's a lot of stops to have to make. And the defense came through with that. So I, I put this one on the defense. Yeah, it was a pretty incredible defensive performance overall. And I know Miami was going through the quarterback stuff. You go from Skylar Thompson to Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, Bridgewater. for sure. Yeah. And no Teron Armstead was huge. Like Miami was definitely not 100% the version of themselves. And for, speaking from my own lockdown NFL perspective, now, my I'm a huge Dolphins guy. I believe in the Dolphins. This is not the best the Dolphins had to offer for sure. And they still were like just blow for blow, pound for pound. Absolutely the better team. Um, and I think they they probably win this game eight times out of ten. Right. Miami's still a very talented team, you know, just not quite there health-wise right now. So we'll see how that turns out for them. But Luke, I know this was a big year for Kirk Cousins, especially coming into it. Now he has led them to a five and one record. Now I know the game against the Dolphins wasn't spectacular, but have you been impressed with what Captain Kirk has done this year? Uh, at times, and then at times I haven't liked it. It's been I mean, it's what it is with Kirk, right? You have a good game, you have a bad game and stuff. Um, I think in general, this has been a more sustainably good year than we saw in any of the Mike Zimmer teams. I think you can see the impact that Kevin O'Connell has had on him and the way these reads work. And then there's just some stuff that is, they're just all still getting it down. This is a bigger effect on the defense, but on the offense too, there's just stuff where the timing's not quite there and stuff that they're clearly new to and, um, it's just what you get with a new head coach. Uh, you haven't seen that in a while, but <laughs> it's just what we get with that. And you can kind of tell that it's clicking a little bit more, a little bit more, um, every week, but with, with cousins himself, I mean, if you go back to last week against the bears, I thought he was phenomenal. I thought he had a fantastic game and he absolutely, he just read the bears like a book and he was one of the primary driving reasons why we won that game. This one was a more classic, we didn't win because of him, but we didn't lose because of him kind of game from Kirk Cousins, where sometimes the game just happens to him and he's just like experiencing the football other people are playing. The offensive line was terrible and it took the offense away. Um, and I, th from a live eye, Kirk Cousins was way less at fault than the offensive line in this one for all that offensive ineptitude. But it's like the best thing you can say is that, yeah, but it wasn't his fault. And that's like the most positive thing you can say about Kirk Cousins. Um, and then he'll have a game like week two against Philadelphia, where he is the sole reason that they like it's it's all over the place. But on the whole, if you average it all together, it's been fine. It's been acceptable, I would say. Acceptable is a better word because fine. Some people think I mean bad. It's acceptable. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting you bring up Kevin O'Connell because obviously he has this team at 5-1. We've seen a lot of good coaching this year from newer coaches this year. Brian Dable in New York. I know this is a team, Luke, that went through those Mike Zimmer days and they, they finally go for a change there. I mean, how have you liked what Kevin O'Connell has done with this team compared to maybe the end of the Mike Zimmer tenure? The end of the Mike Zimmer era was a, a disaster, mostly because Mike Zimmer just kind of receded from like society. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't talk to anybody. He was standoffish. He was flying off the handle all the time. Nobody liked being there. It was a far cry from the Mike Zimmer. We kind of got to know over eight years that was tough, but fair. And it was kind of tough out of a sense of love kind of thing. It was way different than that. And this, the vibe in Minnesota is beachy. It's very laid back. 
and hey, we're all going to learn together. There's no pressure here. If you make a mistake, that's okay. We if we can learn from it, that kind of thing. Um, and I I always said in the start of the season, I was like, that's all great. Let's see what happens when you lose three in a row. You know how how does that then um, kind of go to well we haven't had that yet they had one really bad loss against philadelphia and they responded by rattling off four in a row including a london trip um so now they head into their by five and one so i guess that answers it a little bit but the the vibe is like so different and then you're getting a lot of the schematic stuff they're running a mcveigh offense rams fans know what i mean by that uh 49ers fans know what i mean by that they're running that sort of shanahan style of offense that is a lot of 11 personnel, a lot of three wide receiver, very pass happy. And that's different from the, the Mike Zimmer kind of run, run play action, bootleg sort of Clint Kubiak version of the Shanahan thing. You could get into a lot more detail, but <laughs> I'll spare you. Um, but it's definitely more aggressive, um, but not to the point that I think some people thought like he had a couple of fourth and shorts that he punted on today that he probably could have gone for. Um, a couple of, you know, have heavy running, really conservative play calling things, but that's the exception less than the norm, I guess, for this season. Yeah. And there are plenty of expectations going into a year, obviously for every NFL team. And I know that it seems like expectations have definitely shifted in Minnesota based off of what they have done. And I know that the NFC North right now, Luke is not necessarily phenomenal outside of what Minnesota has done at five and one green Bay looks like they're in turmoil right now, mm-hmm. Chicago's a team in the NFL and you have the lions who, <laughs> yeah, the, the lions are, I think, I think, you know, we talked about it before. They're a bit better than their record, but still the lions like, are a moral, like four and two, you know, yeah, like yeah. they're, but they're a moral victory team and that's okay. Yeah. And I think now with you, with what you have in Minnesota, you have a schedule at least leading up to this bills game in a couple of weeks. If you're the Vikings, where you could rattle off two more wins before that game, where you could be looking at potentially a seven and one team. Luke, do you think that the Vikings are now the clear cut favorites in the NFC North to win that division? I think they have been favored to win the division since week one, since beating green Bay uh, on like on bet online. So yeah, sure. They're definitely like the favored team. They got a two game lead now and tiebreakers over everybody. Cause they've beaten every other team. They're three and zero in the division. So they got tiebreakers out the wazoo and they got a two, two game lead. Um, I, there are tougher parts of the schedule that are coming up. They started, uh, I think with a, a, a bit of a tough schedule going like Packers Eagles is a pretty tough start. But then you've got these kind of surprise teams. They have to play the Jets. They have to play the also five and one Giants. Um, you know, they got the Bills coming up. So that I, I think later in the season they'll test their metal a little bit. But I mean, shoot, lose all of those games. Um, they still have six home games left to five road games. And you can drop a bunch of them and still be really comfortable. It, right now, there's like not a world the the, the earliest they can be not in the in sole possession of the lead in the division, I believe is heading into that Bills game in the middle of November. It's like they've got, yeah, really good lead. So I think the North is theirs to lose right now. I've certainly seen this team collapse from higher spots. So nobody's counting any chickens and they aren't in Minnesota either. I don't think that they would say we are contenders. I would say if you asked, I think they say, no, we have more to work on before we can say that. Um, So... A lot of work to do, but it's a very good position. 
It is. And again, we, we kind of talked about it where the Buccaneers who were in third are three and three, the Vikings who were in second in the NFC, at least they're five and one. But you mentioned the divisional, they're three and oh in the North right now. I think that's a huge spot to be in, especially because now the worst they can go in the division is three and three. And you still mm-hmm. have a bunch of other tiebreakers that you can have. So it works. You're going one and one against every other team in that division, plus the start that they've had. Minnesota's in a pretty good position right now to, I think, be a team that finishes within the top four of the NFC. Absolutely. But Luke, I appreciate you hopping on with me. Thank you so much for joining me. If you want to go check out Luke's work over at Locked On Vikings, be sure to do so. Tons of great Vikings content over there. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Luke, thanks so much. The Vikings have made some noise, led by Kirk Cousins, Captain Kirk himself, the defense playing really well. So I think Minnesota clearly in the driver's seat, the number two seed in the NFC right now. So we'll see. Very exciting in terms of what Minnesota is doing so far. But in our final segment, we'll be going back to New York, talking with Patricia Trainer of Locked On Giants about how this Giants team has willed their way to that impressive 5-1 and one record. So be sure to stay tuned. We still have a ton to dive into on the show. But first, I do want to tell you a bit about prize picks and i i love the daily fantasy i love fantasy in general i have a ton of fantasy leagues but if you do want that daily fantasy twist prize picks is the thing for you and prize picks is super easy to use they have a ton of entries that you can make a ton of different modes that you can use and how it works is you pick two to five players and if they go score more or less their prize picks projection you can win up to 10 times beyond on any entry there's no competing against other people it's just you first the projections available they offer projections on any sport you watch and that includes things like the nfl nba mlb they have nhl pga college football college basketball and more as you can make 60 seconds or less it's that easy they have safe and fast withdrawals and they're currently operational in over 30 states and canada so download the prize picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, price pace will give you $100. If you deposit $50, price pace will give you $50. Don't forget to do promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. We're back here. Our final segment of Locked On NFL here on Monday. Kevin Allstriker, your host, still here with you again. Thank you so much for tuning in, making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. Now be sure to make your second listen to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. But now we're going to be diving into the New York Giants after their impressive 24-20 win over the Ravens, moving them to 5-1. and one. So let's talk with Patricia Trainer of Locked On Giants about that now. The New York Giants are a 5-1 and one football team joining me now to talk about them is Patricia Trainer, the host of Locked On Giants. Patricia, we talked last week on Locked On NFL about how impressive the Giants win against the Packers was in London. But the Giants again, they pull out another just phenomenal win here, a 24 to 20 win against Baltimore in a game that again a lot of people had Baltimore favored and the Giants come out and they once again prove that here they are, a for-real football team. How are you doing after the emotions of that game and everything that went into it? Because it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. I mean, game days as it is, is a long day. You know, we started for a one o'clock game, started 730 and easily can go to midnight or thereafter. So it's it's a long day and I'm tired. I'm not going to lie, but wow, what a game. I mean, I, I sat there in the press box and my mouth was like, my jaw was on the floor because I could not believe how that, that game ended. Um, but I, I got to tell you, and you know, I know it was against your Ravens and I admire you for taking the, taking this on the chin here, but uh, that was one heck of a game. 
It was, and I want to start with the defense, Patricia, because this was a game where a lot was made, at least during the broadcast, about how the Giants were looking for their first interception of the year. They they needed to get it in a big spot, and I don't think there could have been a bigger spot than where the Giants ended up getting it. The Ravens convert a third-and-one quarterback sneak, but it ends up getting negated because of an illegal formation. On the next play, there's an exchange mishap between Linderbaum and Lamar Jackson, and Jackson on the run, a pretty ill-advised throw, throws it right into the hands of a Giants defender. The Giants go and score. They end up getting another turnover after that, a fumble by Lamar Jackson. I mean, how big was it in crunch time seeing this defense perform and pull off, I think, a really big contribution in the win? Yeah, it was huge. I mean, those plays basically turned the tide of the game. And the Giants, you know, all week long, the defense was asked questions about when are the sacks going to come? When are the turnovers going to come? When's this going to happen? And all week long, the message was the same. They're going to come. You don't force them. They're going to come. And when they come, they usually come in bunches. So what better time for them to come than in crunch time? Now, it's one game. You know, it's a couple. It's only a couple. It's not like they had 10. But it they were two very big turnovers that the Giants got that helped win them the game. And, uh, you know, look, patience pays off. And that's what these, this coaching staff has preached. That's what Don Martindale has preached to the defense. Be patient. Just do your assignments and the good stuff will come. You will reap the rewards and the, the rewards. And sure enough, that's what happened. Yeah, and you mentioned Don Martindale, Patricia. We talked about it, and you talked about it the whole week on your show, just the storyline of Don Martindale facing his former team in Baltimore. And through your preparation, Patricia, and all the work that you did before the game, during the game, and even after it, I mean, how apparent was it to you that the defense and the team in general maybe was playing for Don Martindale in a sense, going out there and trying to win the game for Wink? Did, did, did you get that sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they want to win every game for Wink. Wink treats them very well. He gives them a sense of ownership. You know, sometimes he's one of the guys, but but at, at when he needs to be the coach or the father figure, he is the coach or the father figure. Um, so, yeah, the, the players love him. I mean, I've, I've yet to hear anybody on or off the record talk badly about him. And, uh, you know, Martindale downplayed this whole, you know, Ravens revenge factor. He's, he's like, look, I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for, for the players. My job is to get them in a position to, you know, to be successful. And that's what he did. But the players are like, yeah, we know we probably has a little bit of, you know, just a little bit of tinge there wanting to get back at the Ravens for letting him go or what, you know, however it, it ended. So yeah, the players, I think they definitely brought it up a notch for their coach and, uh, you know, they do it every week, but this week in particular. Yeah, and you could see the defensive energy. I think Jihad Ward, another former Raven, mm -hmm. he, he's had a scorching start to the game. A lot of Ravens, Giants ties both ways. But Patricia, on offense, the Ravens actually held Saquon Barkley for most of the game in check. 3.8 yards per carry for Saquon. But Daniel Jones, we saw him make a couple of really, really big throws throughout the course of this game. Were you impressed with how he played? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is what the, the, I forget how many games, I think there's only one this season he's thrown for over 200 yards. This was not one of them. But Daniel Jones, you know, it's funny, Brian Dable talks about, we're not interested in the stats and the numbers. We're interested in the decisions from Jones. Is he making the right decisions? And for the most part, yes. I mean, did he have a couple of throws maybe here and there that he maybe would like back? Sure. I mean, every quarterback has that. But there were no turnovers again by Jones, which was, you know, the big issue with him for years. 
He made some big throws and got the ball into, into tight windows. Um, didn't put the ball in harm's way. So you can definitely see him settling into this offense and playing, you know, a, like a more mature quarterback. And I think it makes a ton of sense for just the trajectory we've seen Daniel Jones on it. It's been great to see his, I guess, ascension. It hasn't been perfect. Obviously there's still room to grow room to improve, but he has been a main catalyst in being able to get this team to five and one. And when the running game wasn't working, he stepped up and he made some of those big throws and Patricia, you also see the, emergence I would say of Daniel Bellinger the rookie tight end we've seen multiple big plays from him over the course of the season it seems like the Giants really really like him yeah they do I mean this this young man was more of a blocker I think at, at San Diego State than he was a pass catcher but he always had the the pass catching abilities As a matter of fact I don't think he had very many if any drops in his final year at San Diego State if I'm not mistaken so definitely you know a guy that they liked that maybe they felt flew under the radar a little bit and uh, the Giants totally remade that tight ends room. Um, Daniel Bellinger is going to be a staple of that room for, for a long time coming and uh, you know, not a good blocker, a good receiver. I think he leads the Giants receiving targets with two touchdowns so far. I think he's their leader. Um, so yeah, very, very pleasant de- development there considering he was what a day three pick. So um, I, I got to think they're happy with him. Yeah. It's, it's turned out really well for him. I have to say, and Patricia, this is a five and one football team, but there's always room for improvement in terms of how teams can get better, where they can look to. Did this game raise any concerns for you about, Hey, the giants can do this a little bit better and come out next week and perform even better in those areas. I think that the one ongoing area that just leaves me shaking my head a little bit is how they get off to such a slow start. It's almost like they're feeling out the other team, trying to figure out, okay, what's going to work, what's not going to work. I mean, the Giants don't get off to a fast start. And I know it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And this was a perfect example of that. But still, you know, you, you just would once like to see them kind of stay pace with the, the opposition. And I just feel like sometimes in in the early part of the game, it's like, they're picking plays out of a hat. I know that's not what they're doing, but it feels like that. And then, you know, once you get into the, later in the game, late in the second quarter into the second half, then you start seeing the progression where one play builds off of the next, off of the next, and stuff starts to make sense. Yeah, no points for either team in the first quarter. The Giants were down 10 to 7 at the half. But I know last week, Patricia, we were talking about if the Giants were for real and if this was a real team. And at 5 and 1 right now, they are in the thick of the early, I'd say early playoff race. We still have a lot of football to go, don't get me wrong. But could you see, Patricia, a, a team in December, a team in January that is. I know the Eagles are doing their their Eagles thing right now, but that is either still in the contender for the NFC East crown or in the driver's seat for one of these big wildcard spots. Yeah, I think it's kind of early. I mean, if you look at the record of the next four opponents heading into Thanksgiving, uh, Jaguars, I think, are two and four. The Seahawks, I want to say, are three and three. Houston, I believe, is one, three, and one, and the Lions, I think, are one and four. So four very winnable games. But if the Giants really want to make noise and get into the playoffs, they got to win in their division. And they've already lost one game to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, granted, it wasn't a blowout. It was like, I think seven points was the difference. But you've got to start winning in your division. If you don't, then, you know, all this other stuff is like, 
it's nice, but it's not going to mean anything at the end, in the end result. But um, right now, you know, I, I've resisted saying the P word because I don't want to jinx anything. But uh, I did put up a tweet earlier today. I said, uh, gee, you know, the, the the last two times the Giants went to London and played a game in London, not only did they win in London, they went on to the postseason. And the Giants, of course, were in London last week. They won the game. So I'm like, hmm, will it happen again? So just a little trivia uh, for you out there. But uh yeah, I think it's too early though to say for sure playoffs because they've got to show their, you know, flex their muscle in the division. Yeah, you know, put the Giants in London every year. Maybe it's a trend yes, that seriously. they can continue having. And I know yeah. you have these divisional games, conference games, even early in the year, they can come back to either really help you or really hurt you when it comes down to December, January tiebreakers and whatnot. So I agree, divisional wins in this stage of the year that might not feel like a monumental game now but it feels like those divisional games are always monumental when you get down to the playoff picture especially when teams like the eagles and the giants and the cowboys are fighting what seems like for the nfc east crown but patricia thank you so much for joining me here if you want to check out patricia's work over at locked on giants be sure to do so tons of great content for a five and one football team of course part of the locked on podcast network your team every day thanks so much patricia the Giants have made their presence felt throughout these first six weeks. They could definitely also rattle off some more wins as the season goes on. And right now, they look like a team that could definitely make the playoffs. I know there hasn't been a ton of great football played this year by a lot of teams, but the Giants, they've rolled their way to some very impressive wins. So shout out and credit to them. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on NFL. Thank you so much once again for tuning in. When we get back here tomorrow, we'll be diving into more content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and we will see you right back here tomorrow.